Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. For this special midweek episode, I have done something a little bit different. Usually at the end of an episode, I hit the stop button and that's the end of it. Uh, but sometimes the conversation is just too good and I, I just let it keep going. And uh, this time I've decided I want to share that with you. So what you're going to hear today is basically what came about after our last recording of uh, Deuteronomy 26 through 30. And um, this is, uh, it's, it's much less edited, it's much more candid, and uh, it's just kind of how the conversation continued to go. Usually I try to keep these episodes to a manageable level so that you'll keep listening to them. Um, but uh, this was what, what I'm calling the afterword here. It's a bit longer than what I would normally just tag on at the end of an episode, so I've decided to just put it here in the middle of the week. If you decided not to listen to it, it wouldn't be a big deal. I just found it to be interesting and might be a little helpful and useful to other people, so I hope you enjoy it. Well, thank you guys. This was a good... Um... That was a good one. I think I'm interested in that book, Matt, that you've mentioned. I mean, I I already believe that because I think that it's that whole idea that you don't have a say in your salvation is that at some point it's kind of like, I remember read an article about this. uh, It was on this topic of, of choice and free will. And they were talking about a youth group where they had had apparently a youth rally and they were trying to get people to say the sinner's prayer and to confess, you know, mm-hmm. and, and because it, it was born of this idea that like, if you just say it once, like all you gotta do is say it, say it, if I can get you to say it once, then, then you're good. You're done. Right. And they said, they were talking about the techniques that they used. Like they would just, they wouldn't let people out of the, the, uh, the, uh, um, theater and they would have music and they would have preachers and they would be pleading. And they were like, they didn't feed them. And the people were so hungry and they just wanted to go out. And he's like, look, they put these kids through so much. And I remember this line. They would have given their lives over to my little pony if you had let them out and have a pizza. Yeah. Like it is, he was questioning, saying, hey, what what part of free will and choice are we doing when we basically extort people to this degree to get yep. them to agree to, quote, to, to be saved? He's saying, you know, hey, where's our free will in that? And I, it's, there's, it's a fascinating thing that people, I mean, I was doing a photo assignment for Christianity Today and um, was at somebody's house in, in Kansas. And I was waiting, for, she was doing some other interview or some other thing before she was ready for pictures with me. And for some reason, there was some Baptist guy there. Um, and he came up to me and he, I had never met him before. No idea who this dude was. And he like literally got in my face and said, are you saved? I'm like, Oh, um, Mm. yes. Thank you. When were you saved? And I said this morning and he just about fell over. (laughs) (laughs) I die daily. I die daily. He just like, what? What? I said every day. And he just, he was kind of like, he just got teleported onto another planet. He's like, where am I? What just happened? <laughs> his, his assumption was 
I got saved on a particular day and time in the past. And since then, it's been, I don't have to think about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a real thing. And it, it paints an interesting picture of God where he's saying basically, yeah, you don't get a choice in this. If you can get yeah. tricked into it once, if you get sold on this thing once, if you were in dire straits at one time, it's kind of like we read in the Old Testament. It's like, hey, be hasty, be careful what you say, because you've got your, these vows that you say. And but I'm gonna. And here's the thing: God lets people get out of their vows in the Old Testament. It's like, well, all right, if you said something in haste, you can get out of it. What do you have to add a fifth to it? Yeah, yeah, twenty percent. You yeah. can yeah, pay twenty percent more, and you can undo your vow. I mean, this is in the days of like legalistic kind of like this. Is how we, God is always saying. Hey, if you didn't mean it, you want to get out of it, you can back out. Yeah. And for us to go to a point to where we'll say, no, you can't ever get out. It leads people to be like, well, if I'm saved and there's nothing I can do to be lost, then I guess I can really truly follow my heart at this point. And to that point, John Eldridge writes a lot about this. There's two hearts. There's the heart that is the unsaved. And there's the heart that is the one that is in constant obedience to God. So where he gives, he puts his law in our heart. And if he puts his law in our heart and we're doing what he wants us to do, then our heart should resonate and be joyful with that. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be careful about this whole idea of following the heart. Is that safe or not safe? It's like, well, is your heart in sync with his or not? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that's always struck me about that whole once saved, always saved mentality is like, well, why isn't, if that is true, if your choice can only operate in one direction, then why is it not also once unsaved, always unsaved? You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why someone who is quote unquote fallen and has not signed on with God by a certain time or age, why isn't that permanent as well? Yeah. I mean, we know as as time goes through to the end of the world, we know there comes a point to where when you've made your decision, that's it. Like, that's your decision for the rest of eternity. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. But if the but if but it, in in the realm of once saved, always saved, why is that the only choice that counts? Why doesn't the opposite choice count as well? I don't know. I, I've never really understood that. Right. Yeah, you make a good point, Karen. So Matt has the book addressed the idea of at the, in Revelation. It makes a specific point, like at this mm -hmm. point in time, yep. your decision becomes permanent. And it's yep. weird that it would say that if that were not a unique situation. I'm only about two thirds of the way through the book, and the book is more specifically about living a life as a forgiven person. It's not so much. It's not so much about um, choosing salvation, so much as understanding that you were forgiven at the cross, and it, it's kind of it's trying to get you out of the trap of constantly asking for forgiveness, which is not to say don't repent, but um, under understanding that you don't have to keep asking for what you already have. Oh, salvation! Like if you've if you've asked for him to save you, you can acknowledge that maybe and say thank you for saving me. I I am I am one with you at at the same time. And again, this is a John Eldridge thing because I get his emails every day. Mm -hmm. 
is that if we if we sin, if we fall into sin, that we repent of that sin immediately, which is different than oh, I'm lost and you have to save me again. It's like, look, I did this thing. I don't want to do this thing. I am acknowledging this was wrong and I'm giving it to you and let's move on. Yeah, I think that's it. And it's, yeah, yeah. Stop stop wallowing in, in this concept of constantly having to ask for forgiveness because you've already got it. Um, you know. So there's a, there's a Greek sounds- word. There's a Greek word for specifically for that kind of forgiveness. And if I really wrecked my brain, I could come up with what the Greek word was. But but it's 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 forgiveness. Let's see if I can say this right. It's forgiveness that changes the heart of the forgiven. Right. It has nothing to do with the forgiver because it's already in place. It's forgiveness that finally sinks into the heart of the forgiven so that they accept it. And it's and it's it's a very specific. I love studying foreign languages because they have these specific words for these kind of nebulous concepts that it takes me an entire paragraph to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's and, it, and to I me, think it falls to under me, that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say to me that's really cool because there are people who they might know in their head that God has forgiven them, but they have not yet accepted that, and mm-hmm. they struggle with that. And so it's it's not a forgiveness problem. It's from God, it's an internal forgiveness problem. It's an acceptance problem. Yeah. yeah. I think it's that age-old analogy where they say that you go and you you stand at the foot of the cross and you drop your sins there yeah. and ask for forgiveness, and then on the way out, you pick them back up. Right. Yeah. So yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind of the gist of the book. It doesn't really talk about... Um, it didn't talk a lot about the once saved, always saved, but it's sort of... He, he kind of tries to touch on it and so i'm not done so i don't want to make a judgment on that part of it just yet but it does sort of seem that he he holds to the idea that you've been saved and you don't have to worry about that right now but it's not like he's like you can just go do whatever you want either you know well the absolute mentality and i and i see where he's coming from because i know plenty of people that struggle with it the absolute mentality of i've been forgiveness i've been forgiven if i'm still struggling with the same issues the struggle is in me not in the savior who forgave mm-hmm. well i get that yeah yeah and that's it that's the just so that's the one and done right is accept your forgiveness accept that accept that you have it you know yeah. and and if you sin you don't have to go oh god please forgive me i'm so sorry you know please forgive me no you've already been forgiven so yeah you know. it's it's super powerful you're still recording by the way matt yeah, I am. Um, and I'm I'm part of a, a paid mastermind workshop kind of a thing having to do with moving your business forward. And it's I'm not going to lie. It's been pretty transformational for me. Um, and one of the first things our uh, mentor had us do is list a, make a list of 20 I am statements. And I thought, oh, this is blasphemous. They're like, no, that's not what it's talking about. <laughs> he, he said, okay, this is the thing. Your brain, this is a really important thing. And it goes straight to what you're talking about, Matt. Is He's saying, and I'm thinking he might be true right here, is your brain can't hold two contrasting beliefs about yourself at the same time. Mm. You can't believe um, I'm forgiven in, in this context, that I am forgiven and I am free from that debt of sin, and 
I'm actually not forgiven and I'm going to be punished for this. You can't hold both of those at the same time. Like your brain can't do that. You're going to pick one or the other and you're going to go with it. And so in this, in the context of this mastermind, he said, look, write 20 I am statements about yourself as you would like to see yourself in the future, but write them right now as if they are real. So Karen, Karen would write, I am a licensed therapist with a thriving business. Well, she's not there yet. But if she writes that down, she says, I am a licensed therapist with a thriving business. I am helping people overcome their problems. I am living. It's, I've been doing this for, for 45 days, and I'm not going to lie. Karen can attest to this. I wrote down, I am a published author. And all of a sudden I was like, well, if I'm a published author, I should probably get busy and start writing a book. And I started writing a book. Mm. Like it was, it was absolutely transformational to me. And if you, if you believe and you write, I think there's power in writing it down. I am forgiven. And it sinks into like, that's part of my identity. I am forgiven. Now, every day we would say, I thank you. Where do you want me to go next? Right? Mm -hmm. Then we would live a different kind of life. I believe that forgiveness then is a topic I've had to work through here again and again. We all do. But if we really believe I am forgiven, now that grace sinks into us. And it's like, well, then I can forgive you. Yep. It allows us to overflow right there. I think too, I, you know, I'm going to bring her up and she's asleep right now. But don't tell her I said this. But Gina is, uh, that's all she really does is positive affirmations. She goes, if I put it out as a negative, then that's what I'm going to get is yes. something negative. Yes. If I put things out as a positive and I thank God that I already have something, thank you for the healing. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the guidance today. I'm already, I'm already taking that step that I already have it. I'm putting out those positive affirmations and positive vibes every single day. And that's what I'm going to get in return. And it's in it. And it, this is the, it's not bizarre, but it's, it's mind blowing how, how differently we can see this. I was listening to a podcast and there's a, um, a woman, she immigrated to the U S maybe 10 years ago from India. Um, oh, probably 15 years ago. And she worked in corporate sales in Nordstrom's and then she decided to get into real estate. And she was telling the story of her first, Flip. That's where you buy a wreck of house and then you fix it all up and you sell it. And she was telling the story. Okay, she so she bought a bad house and then she underestimated the repair costs and then she mismanaged the contractors and it was everything went wrong and then it was worth less than what she thought it was going to be when she sold. She's telling this whole story and what she said next absolutely like literally just blew me out of the water. She said, "I finished all these things wrong and I thought about myself. I'm superwoman." I have learned all of these things. I am unstoppable. And I was like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> I, would, I like that. I, 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 thought, I would think I suck. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm terrible. And she took the exact same situation and how I see myself in that situation and how she saw herself and then where it propelled her as a result of that and that's the important part. I mean, it was just, I had to go back and listen to it again. It's like uh, amazing. It's 
I took that set of circumstances and she said, this empowered me. I am now educated. I am now prepared. I can totally handle this. I went through it. And so I'm, I can, I'm, I'm unstoppable. And I thought, wow, that mind shift, because kind of, I think that's what this book is about, Matt, if I understand it right, is it's a, it's a shift in mindset. Like, no, I am forgiven. Mm-hmm. This is a done thing. And I can now move on with what God wants me to be and be a blessing and forgive other people and move on in confidence, not, not presumption, because that's a big thing in Christianity today, too, is 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 I can move on with confidence regardless of what happens. Kind of like to Karen's thing about, well, I'm a Christian, so I can pray and my, my property won't burn. There's a difference yeah. between I'm going to be okay if it burns or doesn't burn. I'm God's going to lead me and... This is going to turn out in the end for the best mm-hmm. to God be the glory. And, and then when you have that, and I'm, this is, I've, I've always been the half glass, half empty person, just have been. <laughs> and to, and to look at this as a, um, as a positive and to, to, so I would just encourage you guys to think about this because this, these statements of I am, and I've really, it's been empowering to me writing these things out um one of them is i am a manager not an owner and we had some stuff go on with one of our short-term rentals this last week that would drive me to the brink of um drink if i were not able to release this and said hey i'm a manager and what's funny is the guest thinks i'm not the owner they were like rave they're ranting and texting me in all caps like how could this possibly be the case Blah, blah 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 you make sure to let the owner know i was like they they don't think I'm the owner. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and they're writing like, well, we know you can't do anything about this, which was true because like there was it was a thing I couldn't do anything about. But like you make sure to let the owner know. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I will. I'll pass it on. <laughs> it, so, it um, insulates num- you in a way. It's really amazing. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. A Jared. number of years ago, I I did this. Um, I got internationally certified in uh, neuro-linguistic pro- programming and neuro- and um, Ericksonian hypnotherapy. And one of the things that, right, uh, one of the things that they taught was kind of a foundational shift for my way of thinking, and that is the average person thinks in negatives. We are deficit-based. Yes. We tend to not notice what we need until we don't have it. And so when somebody comes in for therapy, you will say to them, what do you want? And they will tell you what they don't want. And that is not something that you can do for a couple of reasons. Number one, in the conscious part of our brain, we tend to focus on whatever we're thinking about. So if we're thinking about what we don't want, that's what we focus on. And we end up bringing, we end up self-fulfilling the stuff that we don't want, because that's where our energy and our focus and our thoughts lie. And then if you are going to do hypnotherapy on someone, if you are actually going to take off their consciousness, which is their protective layer, and you are going to dip into the unprotected parts of their brain, you cannot go in there with negatives because that part of the brain doesn't know the difference. All it perceives is the absolute fact of the words. If you go in there with negative words, 
it does not conceive of that. It creates truth out of the negativity. So you will be doing, so if you dip into somebody's brain and you think you're going to do work that way, you will actually hurt them. So if that's the way my subconscious is formed, right? So as you're talking about I am statements, that's what I'm hearing, Eric, is like I'm hearing this brain science where in our conscious level of what we focus on and our subconscious level of what we believe is truth needs to always be towards the positive of what we are, not what we aren't. Yes, 100%. And so in that case, it would be I um, I am a healthy person. I am living you know, positively would instead of I'm not a smoker because all your brain hears is smoker. Right. right. It doesn't hear the not part. Like mm-hmm. I'm not poor. All it hears is poor. It's mm. is instead. I mean, I think this can be misused just like anything, food, sex, um, relationships, money, you name it. There's a bad way to use any of these things. <laughs> but if we say I am, um, uh, I am, you know, fill in the thing. I am, uh, one of mine is, um, uh, I am living with time wealth, which means I can choose the things that I do. Now, am I really there? Nope, not on a daily thing, because what I'm doing right now is a time log, and it's, I'm not. But I'm, it, it, I'm, I want to live with that way. And there are these other things, and I noticed one of them is I am investing in, in I'm, I am investing time in family and friendships. And as soon as I started writing that, it's amazing how I reached out to people I hadn't been in touch with for a while. I am, in, because I had been writing, I am investing time in friendships. Tracy and I went for a walk. You know, I, um, I called up Matt, had a difficult conversation. Um, I intentionally being like, uh, well, if I am investing time in, in friendships, I guess I had better actually invest time in friendships. Right. It's amazing. It really is amazing and transformational. And I think that that's what God wants for us. Um, And that's why way back in Deuteronomy, he's like, look, I want your heart. I want your heart. And if your heart is and you really are with me and we are in sync, you will live a different life. You just will. I mean, I know I found my appetites changing. And in the weirdest way, one time somebody asked me, oh, when did you quit, you know, consuming such and such? I'm like, actually, I don't know. I, I didn't actually like set out to give it up. My taste just apparently changed. And I guess I I don't do that anymore. I used to, but I don't. And I don't even, I don't, like I didn't give it up. It just went away and I didn't even notice it. It was the weirdest thing. Well, I, it, it is a, I like what they're teaching in that class because it is a very difficult thing. Like somebody would come into the clinic and they'd be like, well, I need to get rid of this. I don't want that anymore. And, it, and I would sometimes spend almost the first hour interview trying to get them to reframe and shift to the positive and shift towards the future, shift towards their needs and their wants, their deepest wants rather than the negatives. It was really, really hard. So like overcoming human nature to do those things is that can be really tricky. Yeah. That's a fascinating book, Matt. That's really neat. Yeah. I'll, uh, when I'm done with it, I'll pass it along to you. I think it's my dad's, but I'll let you read it. Cool. Um, well, I actually need to get off of here. Been awesome. Yeah, I kind of do too. I'm supposed to be at the church opening it up in four minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> There's always somebody there before me, so I'm not too worried <laughs> about it. But yeah. Hey, hey, I'm going to hit that stop button now.